man, uh, I better not suck now. Uh, it's good to be with you, 6, 7, 8, and CA students, family. Uh, like Jake said, my name's Levi. I'm so honored to be one of the pastors that gets to digitally shepherd this flock right now. CA students, 6, 7, 8, I love you guys. I miss you guys. Hey, let's keep Zooming in our life groups uh, and stuff like that. Uh, I'm so excited about this part of our service where we always take some time to look at God's word. And the reason we always take time to look at God's word is we believe that the Bible is not just a story about a man named Jesus who was, but we believe it's about a God man named Jesus who still is. And we believe that whenever we come to scripture, we come into, we come into an encounter with God himself and we are able to hear his voice. So we make time for this every week because we need to hear God's voice every week. And we want to hear what God has to say to us as a community. So I, I just invite you to let faith rise within you that you're not just about to listen to a teaching, but you're about to come into contact with the almighty God of the universe through the scriptures. So that's what we're doing right now. Like Jake said, we're in a series that we're calling Kingdom Now. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke. And the whole point of going through the Gospel of Luke is it's the story about how Jesus uh, took on flesh, how he became human. He came to earth. And when Jesus came to earth, what happened is that God became king. And so the question we've been asking as we've been going through this series is, what kind of king was Jesus? And what kind of kingdom did he claim to bring? And man, I was just so moved last week. Jake taught about the crucifixion. And, and kind of from hindsight, we know that Jesus' death, it wasn't a defeat, but it was actually a sacrifice, and it was paying for something. But you got to put yourself in the shoes of Jesus' disciples and the first readers of Luke. You get to this point in the story, and you see Jesus has done all these cool things, and then all of a sudden, he dies. And, you, and, it, and it brings forth just the thought, the, the honest wondering of, was, was he legit? If he could die like that, is Jesus who he said he was and who he thought he was? And so we're going to jump into that question tonight through Luke chapter 24. But before we do that, I would just love if we could pray. And right now, I just want to ask that the Spirit of God would speak directly to our hearts and encourage us and draw, him, draw us to himself. So Lord Jesus, I believe that you are present with everyone that can hear the sound of my voice right now. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be speaking as we come to your scriptures, that we would not just be encountering words, but we would be encountering the word made flesh, and that you would speak to us tonight. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to read some scripture for us. Like I said, this comes from the chapter of Luke, or the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. It says this. This is after Jesus was crucified and buried in a tomb. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. I love that. I want some lightning clothes. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man 
must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then the women, they remembered his words. Oh man, CA student 678, this is the story of the resurrection. These women come to the grave and Jesus isn't there and we're told why by the two angels at the grave that it's because the living don't hang out where the dead are, right? That Jesus has been raised and so he doesn't belong in a tomb anymore. And so here's the thing, Jesus started the party in this moment. And what I mean by that is Jesus is the first human to step into resurrection life. In other moments in the Gospels, Jesus brings people back to life. That's, that's, that resuscitation happened, but Jesus is the first human to push through death and come out the other side into resurrection life. He's the first one to the party, right? I love verses five and six. It says, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, what, what, why are you here? Like, did, you must have taken a wrong turn. Like, why are you looking for the living among the dead, right? Like, oh, don't you, don't you remember? He said, he told you, he told you, right? He told you that he was going to be delivered into the hands of sinful people and crucified, but then on the third day, today, that he was going to raise from the grave. And here's the thing. This is what, what's so huge about the resurrection of Jesus is the resurrection of Jesus validated everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did. He, Jesus made a lot of claims about who God was, about the kingdom of God. He demonstrated it. And when he was risen from the dead, that's the final word. He's the real deal. He is the last word on the subject. He wasn't just a great teacher and prophet that was killed by the Romans. He was the one and only son of God who brought the kingdom of God, paid for the sins of the world, and invited everyone who is willing to step into eternal life with him. And I want to draw our attention to verse number three really quick. It says, when the women entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And that's really significant. That title, this is the first time in the Gospel of Luke that the title Lord Jesus is used. And Luke also went on to write the book of Acts. And the title Lord Jesus is very common in Acts. But this is the first time we see it. Why? Because the resurrection was the final vindication and confirmation that Jesus is king. He is the final word on the subject. He is now Lord Jesus, Lord above all. We, throughout the Gospel of Luke, we've seen that he has authority over sickness and disease. We see that he has authority over demons and spiritual evil. We even see that he has authority over the weather and storms. But now we see that he has taken authority from death, that he has authority even over sin and death itself. He is the final authority. He is the ultimate king over all. And what that means is that death no longer has the final word over the fate and future of humanity, Jesus does. Death is no longer the final reality for humankind, but Jesus is the one with that authority. I love the way that J.R.R. Tolkien talks about this. He's the one who wrote The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and he was a follower of Jesus, and he described the resurrection with a word he made up called a eucatastrophe, the kind of prefix you meaning good. It's like a good catastrophe, and he describes it. It's when everything is going as terribly wrong as you can imagine, and then suddenly there's a great reversal. 
that life comes up out of death. Light comes up out of darkness. And this is what happened in the resurrection. In the crucifixion, we see Jesus was coronated. And in resurrection, Jesus was vindicated. When Jesus died, death died as well. And when Jesus rose back to life, true life has finally begun. So Jesus started the party. He's the first human to step into resurrection life. And guess what? You're invited to this party. You are invited. Jesus invites us to step into resurrection life with him. You see, when Jesus rolled the stone away from the tomb, it wasn't just him walking through the doorway from death to resurrection life. That was actually Jesus kicking down the door, blocking humankind from death to life. And in fact, Jesus didn't just open the door to resurrection life. Jesus says that he is the door to resurrection life. In John chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, Jesus says this, I am the gate, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love, I love what it says in 1 John chapter 3. It says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. From the beginning, the devil has been after stealing, killing, and destroying the beautiful creation that God has made, especially through human life. And Jesus has come to destroy the devil's work. The way he does that is by bringing life out of death. And he proved it with his own resurrection. And so the question now is, what does this resurrection life mean? The Jesus is inviting us into it. What does that invitation entail? And I think it entails two main things. The first thing is this. If you're a note taker, write this one down. Jesus' resurrection guarantees true life now. Jesus' resurrection guarantees true life now. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose with a new quality of life. He had a human body and a human spirit perfectly suited to fellowship and obedience to God forever. And in the resurrection, he earned that same quality of life for us. So scripture promises that we can receive new hearts now and new bodies later. That scripture is so clear that teaches that we, we were not just like kind of in trouble, but we were dead in our sins. We were dead in our sins. But the good news is we, we are talking about a God that makes dead things live. And our hearts can be made alive with his resurrection power. I love how 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says it. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. This is touching on a theological concept called regeneration. Regeneration. My first thought is always Wolverine from the X-Men because he heals really fast, right? But the, what, what does regeneration mean? What is it that God has done to the human heart? Well, at the cross, Jesus saved humanity from the penalty of sin. And at the empty grave, Jesus saved humanity from the control of sin. You see, Scripture teaches very clearly that when we've sinned, we've actually become slaves to sin. There's just this broken bent in us 
that we drift towards sin. I, I like to longboard, but my longboard's really old. And if I just like kind of try to go straight, it just leans left, right? I'm just trying to go, then leans left. If any of you play Nintendo Switch, Joy-Con drift. Do I need to say more? You're just trying to play. You're not touching anything. Then all of a sudden, you just walk off to the side. Like, no, I didn't press that. Go back, right? Maybe it's just me. Uh, <laughs> I know it's not just me. It's all over the internet. Joy-Con drift. Joy-Con drift is the status of the human heart without Christ. That there is this drift in the human heart away from God, away from true life, and towards death through, to, through sin, right? And so, but here's the good news, is that because of the resurrection, we can actually, the old parts of us die with Christ, and resurrection humanity is raised in its place. We're not just forgiven sinners, we're new creations, we're not just forgiven sinners, we're new creations. And this is what baptism is a whole picture of. Baptism is not primarily a metaphor or an analogy for being cleansed of your sin. That is elsewhere in scripture, but baptism is a picture of resurrection life. In Romans chapter 6, I'm going to read a few verses from there. Verse 4 says this, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. We were buried with Christ in Christ's death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live new lives. We, the old parts of us died with Christ so that new, new hearts could be raised to life with Jesus, that resurrection life could be accessed through him. It continues, Romans 6, verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You see, the resurrection ensures us power to gain more and more victory over remaining sin in our lives. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, no longer, because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. 678C students, this is, this is what I mean. Because Jesus conquered the grave, remember, all of Luke is about how Jesus has become king. Because Jesus has conquered the grave, he is the king of all kings. He is the greatest authority, all authority, even over death. So sin and addictions in life have authority over people's will, right? But Jesus, because he has conquered them through the resurrection, now has authority even over sin and death and addiction. And so the invitation of Easter is this, that I can submit myself to King Jesus and as I come under Jesus' authority, at the same time, I am coming out from the authority of these old things. No longer does sin and death and addiction reign in my life. I have a new master. I have a new king. And he has conquered the grave. And because of that, he is the greatest power, the greatest authority in all of the world. And I am under his authority, not this old authority any longer. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of what resurrection life means right now. Now, my will is no longer subject to those old things. I am only subject to Jesus. I belong to him completely. Six, seven, eight CA students, you can live free of addiction. That sin that you feel like you just can't beat in your own power, it's because your own power is not enough, but resurrection power is. That sin does not have to define your life. It doesn't have to have authority over you anymore. I think of some of us that just have, we can't say no to anger. 
And it, whether it's aggressive or whether it's passive aggressive, so someone ticks us off, right? And just whether it's through a snide comment or putting them in their place in front of other people, we just have to let loose. You, you can't help but disrespect your parents. You can't help but disrespect your teachers, your coaches. You can't help but roast your friends and put them down. Good news. You can step out from that authority and you can step under the authority of Jesus tonight. That you can step under a different authority. Maybe, some, maybe it's a different struggle for some of you. The, the struggle of lust and maybe even pornography. That this, this thing that you've just tried so hard, so hard to conquer, to stop doing. You can have a new master that doesn't have to reign over you anymore. Maybe it's not those things. Maybe it's a much more subtle thing. Maybe you have a different addiction and it's for people's approval. You know, that you are controlled, you are held back from doing things or not doing things because you wonder if it's going to get the like or the follow. You, you wonder if you're going to be thought well of in front of your class or your peers. And, and just like that, you are addicted. You are controlled. You are enslaved by the need for people's approval. That doesn't have to be your master anymore. You can have a new king and his name is Jesus. He's powerful enough to save you and free you from these things. So can I tell you the truth tonight, CA students? Every time the enemy tempts you, he's lying to you. Why? Because the only chance he has to keep you in death is to convince you that you haven't actually crossed over from death to life. His only shot is to lie to you. Every temptation is a bluff. He doesn't actually have authority over you. He cannot control you. He cannot coerce you. He can only deceive you. See, 678 CS students, you are vulnerable when you don't know who you are in Jesus. When you don't know the depth of salvation that Jesus has won for you, that's when you're vulnerable to the enemy. But it doesn't have to be that way. One day, I believe even now through the grace of Jesus, verse 5 can be true of us too. And when the devil comes knocking and he says, hey, remember this thing that you like to do? Go do it. You can say, oh, excuse me. Why are you looking for the risen among the dead? I don't belong there anymore. I have been risen with Christ and I no longer live that way. That can be our reality. 6, 7, 8 and CA students, I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect but I am saying that we will have increasing victory more and more over the remaining sin in our lives. You are invited to dwell among the living, not the dead. Jesus kicked open the door to resurrection life. And he says, walk through with me. Come with me. Let me be your master. Because he's a good master. So that's the first point. That resurrection, Jesus' resurrection guarantees true life now. And the second big hope of the Christian faith is Jesus's resurrection guarantees true life later, right? I love Colossians chapter one. There's just this beautiful poem of theology about who Jesus is. And verse 18 says this, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and get this, he is the firstborn from the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Six, seven, eight, see his students. When Jesus rose from the dead, this was cosmic. The, the, the fabric of reality and creation shifted. What happened here is Jesus is the prototype, human. That he is the first one to pass through into resurrection life. And the promise that is all over the New Testament, go read 1 Corinthians 15 sometime. The promise of the whole New Testament is that 
He will raise our bodies to be, live in eternity with him. We are looking forward to a bodily resurrection in the future where we will live with Christ for eternity. And, and the, the, so get a load of this gospel. Can, can you believe this good news? That we can experience abundant, true life now. And we are guaranteed abundant, true, eternal life later. The good news is that eternal doesn't mean later. It means forever. And so the eternal kind of life starts now. And we have the promise, the guarantee that it will go on forever in Jesus' name. Six, seven, eight CA students and whoever else may be watching. So honored that you would join us this evening. I, I can't share this good news without providing an opportunity to respond to it. And so I'm, I'm just so moved, right? The, why are you looking for the living among the dead? That was true of Jesus, and that can be true of us as well. The good news of Jesus is not primarily that you get to live in heaven with him, some die. The good news is heaven has come now, has come to you now, and God's own resurrection power, life, can live in you and lasting into eternity. So I want to talk to two main groups of people. First, if you're a follower of Jesus, but you've found that you have been living life as though you are still dead in sin, that you haven't considered yourselves dead to sin, but you're still kind of messing with it and you're not fighting with the power of resurrection life to live a life more and more free from sin. I just want to ask you, like, are you dwelling where the dead are? Or have you, are you living like you're truly alive and you've stepped away from the grave scene? Remember, you've died to sin. What I have to tell you is hope that it has no authority over you anymore. That you don't have to say yes to it. You can say no in the name and in the power of Jesus. You don't have to live a dead life. You can live a life that is truly life with Jesus. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to invite you to receive Jesus' resurrection life in a rededicated, refreshing sort of way through the Holy Spirit. But I also want to talk to people that maybe you're listening to this, and you've never said yes to Jesus before. Well, I want to tell you good news that you can join him marching out of the grave tonight, and your life can be categorically different from tonight on. You can become a new creation. You can be saved from the penalty of sin and the control of sin. You can, you can enter under the protection of his authority as you are saved from the authority of sin, addiction, and death. You can live a new life. The things that used to control you don't have to control you anymore. But it's all only through Jesus who is the door to resurrection life, trusting him as Savior and following him as Lord. And so I'm going to pray a brief prayer right now. And if you're in either one of those groups, I just want to encourage you to pray along with me in your heart. So God, for those of us that have followed you, but we've stepped away, we've stepped back into dead things. Holy Spirit, would you breathe fresh resurrection power into our hearts? Would you set a fire in our hearts that we are not okay with the control of sin and death and addiction in our lives only more, but we only answer to one master, and that's the King Jesus. Would you do that work, recommitting our hearts to you tonight, Lord Jesus? And, and if you've never decided to follow Jesus before, you can just pray this with me. Lord, 
Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead. And I believe that you died on the cross to take away my sins. And so because I believe these things, I ask that you would save me and that you would lead me. And from this moment on, I trust you as Savior and I follow you as Lord and as King. If you prayed those prayers tonight for the first time or if you're recommitting again, please tell somebody. Send a message to us, CA students, on any Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is. Uh, tell someone else in your life. But we just have to respond in worship, right? In song. So we're going to have Jake and Aiden and Eileen sing a song for us. Let's respond to this amazing resurrection power, King Jesus. Amen.